Welcome in to the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. Here are your hosts, Keaton Denley and Nate Hamilton. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. I'm your host, Keaton Denley, joined as always by Nate Hamilton. How are you doing tonight, Nate? (sighs) Week one is over, exasperation. I just love that we have this podcast and we call it the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. It is a place for us to vent and it's okay. It's okay. So, I mean, you know, a personal level, I, I guess I'm doing okay, you know, uh, <laughs> but uh, week week one was rough, man. I'm not going to lie. So, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling a whole bunch of, I'm feeling pretty down. I'll be honest. I'm I'm feeling some kind of way myself. This is a, this is a safe space for degenerates. Um, <laughs> fantasy football. We, we're going to get to venting here in just a little bit. Um, we do want to start off because once the football season starts, it comes with some injury news, right? It always happens every year. You got to deal with those injuries. So we're going to hit some news here real quick. We'll get tilted, and then we're going to do some kind of lessons learned from week one and what you should and shouldn't be paying attention to. And we'll get into that a little bit later. But first things first, injury news. Let's get through a couple of these. Uh, Keenan Allen uh, left the game end of that one for the Chargers um, appeared to be a hamstring injury. turns out that was the case. It uh, doesn't appear to be too uh, serious. They did have an MRI. It sounds like he will miss this week because it is a short week. They are playing uh, the Chiefs on Thursday, I believe. Um, so giving him the full two weeks off before they face uh, Jacksonville in week three, if I've got my schedule straight. Um, so obviously you're gonna be without Keenan Allen this week. Uh, Nate, you have anything, any thoughts on Keenan Allen or the Chargers situation? Yeah, I mean, you you nailed it. It's a short week, uh, so anytime you tweak a hamstring, I mean, that's that's not something to quickly bounce back from. Even if he was playing Sunday, uh, he at best probably limited. Um, <clears throat> it is a little scary, though. You know, week one hamstring injury already, um, and it kept him out the rest of the game. He was having a pretty good game, four receptions, sixty six yards, mm-hmm. and it's unfortunate that he's out. But I think that. You know, it's something to monitor. Keenan Allen, hamstring, week one. I'm not feeling too good about it if I'm rostering him. But, yeah, you're right. They have the short week, so, you know, he's going to be out this week. And then Jacksonville, uh, you'll definitely want to throw him back in uh, against Jacksonville if, if he ends up playing week three. Yeah, I would definitely just be watching those practice reports. If he's back, putting in full practices, definitely firing him back up for week three. Um, looking at the rest of the Chargers, I think, you know, Herbert's going to be okay. You know, going coming into the season, it was, okay, Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, but who else? They, they sort of just had those three guys. But as we saw, they've got some serviceable guys that are picking up some targets here and there. You got Carter, you got the tight ends, McKitty, and Everett stepping up. So I don't think it's going to affect much of the rest of the Chargers. Mike Williams should have a bounce back. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're gonna, it sounds like you're going to be without Keenan Allen for a week, so just go ahead and make those make those plans. Hopefully Austin uh, the, Eckler gets some more uh, work in in this game without without uh, Keenan Allen on a short week. Uh, I'd like to see him more involved because his first week was not too uh, too impressive. It was certainly interesting how they used the running backs. They, they had uh, Kelly and Michelle uh, involved a lot more than perhaps fans were expecting. Right. Um, okay, so the next injury that we had, Elijah Mitchell, uh, San Francisco, he has an MCL injury. It sounds like he's going to be out uh, two months. Now, there were the rumblings about this before that game because it was sloppy. Uh, they just put in the new the new grass in Soldier Field, and then, of course, they get just, I mean, they were mopping grass. It was absurd, <laughs> the field conditions out there. And then, sure enough, uh, you know, Elijah Mitchell gets hurt. Perhaps he was going to get hurt anyway, uh, given his history. But uh, we're not going to say he's injury prone. He just seems to be um, have accidents. Um, so the owner's going to be without him. Uh, what does that mean for San Francisco? What does it mean for Elijah Mitchell owners? Well, first of all, like we're talking about like, like these organizations produce like billions of dollars in revenue, right? I mean, and they can't get the field right for their players. That's just the whole, that's like, a, that's a tilt on its own. That's insane. But mm-hmm. yeah, he's going to be out two months, MCL sprain. Uh, from what I understand, he's not going to need surgery. I guess that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a big blow to the offense. You know, I'm passing on Jeff Wilson's career, 3.8 yards per carry. 
Um, I'm not ready to anoint Trey Lance as a top five QB as most are expecting and, and pumping him up, him up this, this off season. Uh, you know, that, that talk with Trey Lance kind of driving me crazy. I know it's just week one, but you know, we kind of saw a little, um, you know, what he, we, we saw his downside this week already. Um, I don't believe he's ready to put this team on, 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 you know, on his back. Um, for me, I'm just, I'm just staying away from this offense, George Kittle. Missed half the season in 2020. He missed three games last year. He's already didn't set foot on the field in week one. You know, I mean, I've got Brandon Ayuk shares, um, but I'm not too excited about it. Uh, Debo Samuel is one of my favorite players, but again, he needs the offense to click uh, in order for him to be relevant in fantasy. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not looking good. Um, already for the San Francisco 49ers without having a presence in that backfield. I do want to bring this back to some procedural fantasy football advice in just that uh, Elijah Mitchell has been placed on IR. That Fantastic. means he's only out a max of four weeks. We're expecting two months. But if you have one of those IR spots in your league, you can stash him. You know, uh, he's expected to be back. It's not a season-ending thing just because he's on IR. So if you've got an IR spot, stash him, pick up somebody else. If you want to take a shot on another one of their backup running backs, like it's Jeff Wilson or uh, Tyrion Davis, a couple of the guys that they've got there, uh, by all means. But uh, you definitely have that spot if you can if you can stash him. I, I would recommend that. Um, so we're going to get into the next bit of news, and it is the Dak Prescott injury. So, honey, what are you going to rant about today? Worst day of my life. What do you think? Don't interrupt. It grinds my gears when you do that. You have to do better than this. Tell him, McCluskey. Tell him what time it is. You don't wait that long. The meatloaf! We want it now! The meatloaf! That's that's what our show is. So, Dak Prescott has had uh, surgery or will have surgery on his hand. Um, they are expecting from the Twitter doctors, right, who we listen to the most, I guess. <laughs> yep. uh, six to eight weeks, Jerry Jones is not putting Dak on IR, thinking maybe <laughs> less than four. Um, that may be... <laughs> That may be um, what's causing a bit of our tilts and our angst on yes. this end. <laughs> I, I do want to point out something that I saw online. I, I won't call out the website specifically, but the, the company that runs the website, I'll give their initials, okay, to kind of protect their identity. Uh, it's NBC. They're the initials okay. of this, yeah, of this I, website. I don't know what that stands for. But yeah, yeah, you guys can try to figure it out. Um, so this site, NBC, that covers sports, um, they had a, an article or a news blurb that went up about Cooper Rush, backup quarterback, Dallas Cowboys. So <clears throat> the little blurb in part says he simply isn't a capable fill-in starter and that they need to go trade for Jimmy Garoppolo is the you know uh, assumption there or the, or the implication. And I just want to say on, on two fronts, one, based on what? Right. Like we, we, we haven't seen Cooper Cup started one game ever, and he was actually pretty good if you go back and look at it. But he's been with the Cowboys organization for a long time. The one year he wasn't there was the year Dak got hurt last time. So Cooper Rush is there. Right. He leaves, goes to the Giants, I believe, for a year. Then the Cowboys have that Dak, Dalton, Danuka, whoever year, and it was a disaster. They were six and ten. It was awful. So they realized our backup quarterback situation when Dak goes down is not up to par, right? They had to have known it at that point. And Dak goes down often, so. Right, so Dak missed a significant amount of time that year. The next year, guess what they do to fix the quarterback situation? They bring back Cooper Rush. Like, <laughs> he left, they needed him, he wasn't there, and then the next year they bring him back. I, I haven't seen a team, like, let a backup quarterback go and then need him and then and, but then bring him back after that to, to me that shows that either the cowboys are a terribly run organization which is mm. possible mm. but i think more importantly it means that they are comfortable with him he knows the system and i think that he's a capable backup he's a backup quarterback that's literally his job description and for nbc to go out and say he's not a capable backup well the cowboys are paying him you know he is he's not getting paid a lot but he's their backup they think like, if you're not paying him to be the backup quarterback to fill in for Dak, why is he there? So this has to go one of two ways. Either this NBC article is absurd, or the Cowboys need to figure it out. It's terrible. If he can't come in and just start some games, maybe they go 500, maybe they lose a little more than they win, but just get him close. He got a 17-game season. Get Dak back after the bye week, just before the bye week, and 
make a run. You've got a winnable division here. To say he's not even a serviceable backup, he's an NFL quarterback. He's got the weapons. Let's see what happens. The Browns are running out Jacoby Brissett for 11 weeks. I think Cooper Rush will be fine. This article drove me nuts. That's what I'm tilted about this week. I mean, I'm with you. Cooper Cooper Rush actually had a better uh, completion percentage than Dak Prescott did. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he he threw, you know, less than, than half of what Dak did, but he also completed just half of what Dak did. So, you know, I mean... I'm not I'm not excited about it. obviously I'm a Cowboys fan and this is just you know it's very frustrating for me which you know I'll just go ahead and just go right in my tilt because this is just uh you know Dak plays a big role in this sure so I started my Sunday first of all uh, and I tweeted this out I went to a wedding <laughs> I had a wedding on week one of the NFL season at 10 a.m I didn't get home till four okay I got home, finally got to watch some football, you know, had to play a little bit with Leo because he was such a good boy at the at the wedding. And, you know, when we got home, he wanted to play and obviously watch some football, too. But so anyways, I was half heartedly watching the rest of the games, but I was really looking forward to the Sunday night game of the Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, I had begun developing a migraine, but I was determined to fight through that because last year, in, in the opener, the Cowboys placed the played the Buccaneers, and it was such a great matchup last year. Well, this isn't last year. Dak looked awful. He completed less than 50% of his attempts. Zeke actually looked good every time he touched the ball. He averaged 5.2 yards per carry. The only problem with Zeke is that he had just 10 carries. The defense looked great. So I'm like a roller coaster of emotions here, right? They're going to need their defense, and I'll allude to that, obviously. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb had 11 targets. Awesome, right? Two freaking catches for 29 yards. Dak hurts his thumb on a play that didn't even look like it hurt. Like, and, and, and I'm not one to say, obviously, I know something structurally happened to his thumb, and he needs it corrected, and he had surgery. I get it. But it just it was such a fluke. You know, he was it was during his throwing motion. Um, and it, now he's out one to two months because I can't believe a thing Jerry Jones has to say. It just right. sucks to be so excited, right? It's a long off season. You finally hear week one, you're excited to watch your team. It, it's a fresh slate, especially the way that the Cowboys season ended last year against the 49ers. And now the season's over before it begun. You know, did you know that there was just one team that did not score a touchdown in week one? Really? Wasn't the, yeah, wasn't the Jets, wasn't the Giants, wasn't the Commanders, wasn't Jaguars, wasn't the Texans, it wasn't the Lions. It was the Dallas freaking Cowboys. My wow. Cowboys. I want to become a fan of a different team. I, I'm just like, I'm already, I'm, this is how tilted I am where I'm deciding I want to become a fan of a different team. It's not going to happen. You can't choose who you love, unfortunately. And and for me, I do love the Dallas Cowboys. Now, from a fantasy perspective, I drafted Dak and CeeDee Lamb stacks in quite a few leagues. <laughs> to make matters worse, Jerry Jones, to your point earlier, says that Dak's not going on the IR. So what does that do for me in my fantasy squads? I can't even put Dak Prescott on the IR. I, I have to have him on the bench sitting there in our mm-hmm. dynasty league that we're in Keaton. Right. It's a, it's a super flex. And my two QBs are get this Dak Prescott and Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Yeah. That's not going well. That's not, that's not a good start to, and, and, and before week one, I was feeling amazing about it. Right. I lost in our WWRL league to an mm-hmm. auto drafter, Miss Michelle Majuk from the Ball Blast Girls. Okay. Do you lose your card as an analyst if you lose to an auto drafter? I'm 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 ready to mail everything in <laughs> this week. Okay. So and and one of my teams that was one of my teams with a DAC CD stack. Now everyone on my roster underperformed their projections except for Chubb and Hunt. And I'll get to why I even have those two on the same team. And I call my team week nine buys because we don't have a bench in this league, right? So now my strategy in week one of drafting, I literally did it. I drafted everyone 
with a week nine bye, and I had to drop George Kittle as my tight end before the games even started. So right. my strategy was over before the games even started. So I had Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Cortland Sutton, Najee Harris, Nick Chubb, Dawson Knox now that I had to throw him in, Brandon Ayuk, Kareem Hunt, and Russell Wilson. Put up a beautiful 88 points for me, and I lost against Miss Michelle Madjuk, auto drafter. That was a long tilt, but it was it was bottled up for the last couple of days, and I had to just get it all out. So there we go. That's great. I, I, I'm going to reset that just a little bit. WWRL, Waiver Wire Roulette League. Correct. League that Nate and I are in. It's redraft, but it has one very important, very basic rule. There is no bench. No bench. So you have your starters, and now Nate's in the spot where Dak's out for extended period of time. He's going to have to cut him. Or I'm, blow, I'm blowing my team up. Like this is this is a league that has you know fairly elite players on the waiver wire because of the structure and there's no bench. Right. So I'm already blowing my team up. I'm gonna have to change my team name. It's not gonna be week nine by anymore. Um <laughs> the waiver just, wire wonders is gonna be Nate's it, new team it's name. Been, it's it's been a week, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> That's awful. All right. Well, now that we got the tilts out of the way, hopefully we can we can come back down. We can look at week one with some some clearer perspective deep breath yes let's i'm ready i'm ready i do want to put week one in perspective a little bit because i did hear a lot of wow week one was totally crazy it was nuts if you look at the game results i don't know that we were all that surprised i mean i didn't think cincinnati would lose to the Bengals, Mm. or the Bengals would beat cincinnati beat beat themselves against the Steelers so bad You, you no, you nailed it Right, you, so you nailed it. unlike the kickers, but you nailed it. And and the, the kickers is, is, a, is a whole other story, which which mm. we, we may or may not get to. But um, as far as the NFL was concerned, I think that was pretty chalk. I don't know that yeah. he was all that surprising. Uh, Giants squeaked out an upset, right? Like there's a little bit here and there, but overall, yeah. I, I think it was okay. Fantasy is a completely different story. Right. Yeah. And I want to get into what I learned from week one, if you don't mind me going first. Yeah, yeah, please go right ahead. And... Generally, and you guys may know if you've listened to the podcast before, I'm a little bit skittish when it comes to trusting receivers, particularly rookie receivers, because they have that learning curve. They've got to step into the league. Um, but we talked about last week that that seems to be changing a little bit. The wide receiver yeah. position seems to be a little bit. The NFL is adapting to the college game. It's just simpler, simpler game plans, schemes, get your playmakers in space. It just seems to be working a little bit better. So going into the weekend, I was thinking about it. Well, what about all of these new big name receivers that change teams by trade or free agency? Are they affected by that same learning curve, that that same you know slowness to, to get off the ground? And Thursday night comes and we see Allen Robinson just do nothing, like nothing in primetime spot. Everybody's all excited for this big name, high powered offense. This is going to be great. I'm like, yep, see, there it is. Wide receivers, <laughs> you can't trust them. Week one, you got to wait. But then we get to Sunday, and and the wide receivers in new places just go bananas. Like Christian Kirk, for Christ's sakes. Like the guy yeah. that everybody was thinking maybe isn't going to be able to pull this off. Let me go over some of the receivers on new teams and how, how they fared. Jarvis Landry, new to the Saints. Nine targets, seven receptions, 114 yards receiving. Christian Kirk, 12 targets, six receptions, 117 yards receiving. His teammate, Zay Jones, got nine targets. Tyreek Hill, 12 targets, 8 receptions, 94 yards. A.J. Brown, 10 receptions, 155 receiving yards on 13 targets. D.J. Shark got 8 targets and a touchdown. Devontae Adams, 10 for 141 and 1 on 17 targets. Led and Juju Smith-Schuster, 79 yards, 8 targets. These guys, completely unfazed, hit the ground running week one. Just took off. Yeah. Which shocked me week one. I, I wouldn't have been trusting a lot of these guys. I mean, there's some stars. A.J. Brown, you probably had to draft him high enough. Tyreek Hill, you knew what you were getting into when you drafted him. You had to start him week one. But there's some of these guys, Landry, Kirk, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, maybe you were waiting a week. Yeah. I, I tell you what, they're acclimated to these systems. I'm wheels up on just about all these guys. Maybe Zay Jones is the one because he's the number two on his team. You know, I'm, I'm not in on that one yet. The rest of these guys, I mean, Kirk, the Hill, Brown, Adams, Smith, Schuster. I'm still rolling with Robinson. I, I think I'm going to give him a little bit of a pass. 
But as far as the guys that have proven it, they've proven it week one. They don't need to show it to me again. Um, I think that, we, like we talked about, the NFL's changed a little bit. I think they're going to be ready to go. Uh, so if you've got those receivers on with big names on new teams, roll them out there. I think you're good to go. I do want to talk about Allen Robinson a little bit because I know that fantasy owners are going to be a little bit burned. They're going to be on yeah. tilt because they started yeah. him. They wanted to see NFL was back on Thursday. This is going to be great. But this happens sometimes. You have players that just don't fit that week. Allen Robinson's the downfield guy. Cooper Cup kind of the underneath option. It's just the way the game plan worked out for them. They were ahead. Uh, you know, it, or they, they weren't ahead. They were trying to come back. But it, the, the pass rush was getting there. They had to dink and dunk. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't available downfield. Right. Um, but you look at the same thing. You look at the Chargers, right? Mike Williams, vanishing act. What, what happened? He was the downfield threat. It just made sense for that game plan to dink and dunk. Keenan Allen. Carter, you know, the tight ends, that sort of thing. So it, it could have just been a game plan thing. It could be maybe he needed a week to get his feet under him. But I, I would still be rolling out Allen Robinson unless you had a significantly better option. But the rest of these guys, wheels up, you're ready to go. So For sure. I, I mean, I, I think, you know, he's not on a new team, but he had he has someone new thrown to him, and it was Curtis Samuel. He had 11 targets. You know, True. he had eight, eight catches for, what was it? 55 yards and a touchdown. So that was that was impressive to see because he's been battling injury for for so long. And, you know, to me, he was one of my favorite slot guys. Um, Honestly, I, forgot he existed until I saw yeah, him. Pop and up and that's the thing. Part. He's been he's been written off. Right. Like, yep. so that's why I think to me, he's probably going to be one of the top waiver wire um, ads this week just because of the volume. And, you know, I'll get into that. And the truth is, you know, it has been three years since you and I have have gone together, really talking fantasy this way on on a podcast. And um, I, I think you know before I get into what I learned after week mm -hmm. one, um, is that you know I did find myself leaning more wide receiver heavy a little bit earlier than I had in the past. You know the depth is always there with wide receivers, which is why I do like to establish my running backs when I'm drafting early. Mm -hmm. However. You know, and, and this goes to show there's just so much value at running back this year. And this is where I'm going to get into what I've learned okay. uh, because there's so much value at running back because the industry is known for always talking about just like the new shiny toy, especially in, in running back situations. Right. Yeah. And and the truth is, it'll often come back to hurt them. They overdraft they, the, the, the average draft position, ADP goes through the roof for new guys in running back situations and more times than not it doesn't work out i think a lot of people now play dynasty and and you know the dynasty players and analysts are now are really forcing the issue and it just doesn't translate to redraft so nfl organizations they don't care about your fantasy teams right they want the football in the hands of reliable experienced players Right. We're seeing this, and I'm going to go through some quick examples here, and it's almost half the league, okay? Yeah, no so kidding. The Bill's running back situation. Devin Singletary averaged six yards per carry. James Cook, the rookie, everyone talked him up. Again, yes, week one, he's good. he needs some time. However, he had one carry for two yards. And fumbled. Yeah, and fumbled. Uh, Cowboys, Zeke is toast. Pollard's better. How many times have we heard this? Everyone forgets Zeke played through a PCL tear last last year. And he still ended up as the RB7, but that's a different story. Zeke outplayed Pollard. Zeke had 10 carries for 52 yards. Pollard had six for eight. Eight yards. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we had talked about that last week where I said, of course, you know, Pollard's going to look more explosive uh, when he is on the sideline more than half the time. And, and Zeke is the one out there huffing and puffing throughout the whole thing. However, Zeke did look explosive this week, this, you know, first week one. And he, you know, he's obviously healed from, from his injury last season and it showed. So hopefully he can put the team on, on their back going forward. Uh, Broncos, Javante Williams versus Melvin Gordon. It's to me, I love Javante Williams. I, I think that he's a super talented back, but Melvin Gordon's not going anywhere, guys. Like he is very good for the Broncos to have him in there. And Williams, he was impressive in the passing game. He had 12 targets, 
but Gordon had five more carries than Javante. Hold so, on, the backup. How many targets did Javante Williams have? Twelve. Pretty crazy, right? I thought it was a typo. No, I, I mean, I get your point, but my goodness, that is nuts. So, so, so that's where, I mean, maybe that's where his value is. Right. I mean, yeah. but the, the truth is, like I said, Melvin Gordon is, is going to hinder Javante Williams fantasy value um, every week because he had five more carries than Javante. Yeah, um, not going away. No, he's not. And uh, so let's move on to the Packers, AJ Dillon versus Aaron Jones, right? Dillon 10 for 45 average, average 4.5 yards a carry. Jones only had five carries. So I think the Packers actually tried to do this, but he had five carries for 49 yards. He he had more yards than A.J. Dillon, and he averaged 9.8 yards per carry. So I guarantee you, week two, we're going to see a lot more of Aaron Jones. So let's slow down on A.J. Dillon. The Texans, Damian Pierce, we talked about this last week. He's the next. Everyone is so crazy for him in the, in the preseason. No. Rex Burkhead, okay. Of all, if Rex Burkhead is out touching you and he's out performing you, then I'm sorry, you're not ready for the stage. You're not ready for the heavy workload. So Rex Burkhead outperformed Damian Pierce in Week One. Jaguars, Travis ATM versus James Robinson, right? Mm-hmm. Robinson outcarried ATN eleven to four and scored a touchdown. Okay. So ATN, you know, the, the former teammate in college for uh, the quarterback, this is Trevor Lawrence, he had four total carries in week one after not being injured. He's, he's back and healthy. Four carries and only two receptions for ATN. Let's move on to the Rams. Cam Akers versus Daryl Henderson, right? This one hurt. This one yeah. hurt. Cam Akers, three carries for zero yards. He got you nothing. Meanwhile, Henderson had 13 carries and he added five receptions. Henderson, again, he's not going away and he's probably going to outtouch Cam Akers this year. Um, I'm a fan of Cam Akers, but clearly the uh, you know the coaching staff believes in Henderson and and wants him in there. Uh, Patriots. Say that was the most one 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 thing real yeah, quick. Go, on the Rams. Please go ahead. The most worthless soundbite from a coach was the Rams coming out and saying that Akers needs to run with more urgency. Yeah, we all have eyes. We saw yeah. that he needs to yeah. run with more urgency. I think that's Everybody, why he only had three carries. Everybody was all excited about this quote. Oh, can you believe what the coach said about him? It's like, yeah. What else was he going to say? Run with more urgency. Yeah. Three carries, no yards? Come on, Crazy. Man. Come on. Yep. So Ramon J. Stevenson versus Damien Harris with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this was a huge talk because of how much love Stevenson was getting from the coaching staff. Oh, he was going to be the short yardage, the pe- the passing down back. He was going to pass block. He was going to be in there all the time, right? Yeah. Well, look at the numbers. Harris, okay, the <laughs> one that everyone wrote off, played much better than Stevenson in mm-hmm. Week One. So, and then I- I'll I'll end it with this one: the Eagles, Kenneth Gainwell versus Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders looked like the lead back. He was treated like the lead back and Gainwell was barely involved. So I guess my point is that we need to like slow down on these young and upcoming, you know, upcoming up and comers, however you want to say it, uh, coming into, into the league. And yeah, you might be excited for them for, for dynasty purposes. And, and, you know, but you're you're also as a dynasty manager, you're looking at two, three years down the road. You're not even looking at like this season, but somehow the hype leaks into the present time. And that's just not what the NFL is looking into. The only one I will say this because it's you got to look at both sides. The only one to me that stands out as different is the Bears backfield, right? They okay. might be ready to switch to Khalil Herbert over David Montgomery. You think so? Uh, yeah, yeah. The numbers were pretty scary. I lo- I'm a David Montgomery guy. And again, mm-hmm. this is this is a little bit overreaction, which is something you shouldn't do in week one. But I'll, I'll, I'll just give you the numbers here. Um, <clears throat> I, I think that they're at least going to split the work, have it be 50-50 or more, maybe 60-40, I think, in Herbert's favor going forward. 
Herbert was nine for 45 and a touchdown. David Montgomery, 17. So almost double the amount of touches for just mm-hmm. 26 yards. Okay. Yeah. And it, to me, I mean, he did have three receptions for 24 yards. So maybe Montgomery's the pass catcher there. Um, but, you know, for me, I've seen Montgomery use, you know, being used as the, as the full-time guy. And there had been rumblings that maybe he doesn't fit the system and Herbert fits it a lot better. And I think the numbers kind of showed that even after week one. So yeah, that's my big takeaway, you know, from week one is, is the running back situations. I do have some more like do's and don'ts kind of situations, but as far as, as what I learned specifically from this week one of 2022 is that running backs are messy. And, yeah. um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's not organizations are not always ready to just hand it off to the new shiny toy. They want the reliable veteran in there. And obviously after everything I just said, I don't know how long I just rambled on for. I think that, you know, it, it, it the information's right there in front of you. Right. And that's valuable. I'm going to add a couple things on the, on the running back discussion real quick, because that's obviously most leagues, that's where you're getting your points. I mean, you're, if you have a stud running back, right, like that's it. Um, with Dave Montgomery, I'm, I'm willing to chalk that one up to the weather. Um, that's true. They, you know, because <laughs> obviously it was it was a complete mess out there. Um, but they, I mean, they gave him the ball 21 times. It's not like the coaching staff was like, this isn't working. They had a sure-handed guy. They trusted to maintain ball security. They were going to win the game a certain way. That was sort of fine. They were going to grind that one out in the in the slosh, right? So I, I see what you're saying. Uh, you know, Herbert, more explosive stat sheet bears that out. Yeah. <clears throat> but I'm willing to give Montgomery another go because if you have a running back in this league getting 21 opportunities, yeah, you, you take that and run with it. Like no, and, and literally, <laughs> no, yeah. <clears throat> the truth is, I mean, and, and like I said, I'm a huge Montgomery fan. Yeah, it's just. Herbert did more with less and, and, you know, he was able to adapt to, to the weather and maybe that does warrant some more touches in his future, which does hinder Montgomery. And I'm, like I said, I'm a big believer. However, if, if what you just said comes to fruition and, and Montgomery continues to be the lead back and, and Herbert is less needed and, and, it only just proves my point even more about, about, you know, not moving on to the young guy so quickly. So, but that was the, that was the one that did stand out to me that kind of opposed my argument. And I had to call that out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I'm willing to be proven wrong on this one, but I I need Herbert to get more than the one side on a two to one split of of touches. Um, You know, if, if Herbert gets to next week and he's, creeping in there, getting a few more, chipping away at that two to one advantage that Montgomery had in week one, then I'm going to start paying attention because yeah. the coaching staff saw tape or something happened. And they're going to make an adjustment by all means. I do want to put up one more thing just because it was, um, you know, you want to be worried about, or you want to be wary of those people who maybe you can't see all the games. You check the box scores and you think, Oh wow, look at what happened. Um, yeah. You didn't watch the game. Uh, Pacheco for the Chiefs. People are going to look at that box score and go, "Wow, he basically had the same yards per carry that Edwards Hilaire had. He had he outcarried him twelve to seven. That game was all Clyde Edwards Hilaire until they were up by two scores. Like, don't don't worry about that one. And like Nate saying, people are all excited about Pacheco, especially in dynasty leagues. Uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to get the first shot there. He got the first shot on the first several drives. They were up thirteen points before Pacheco even saw the field. He looks good. Dynasty leagues, great stash him, awesome. But H- had more carries name. than Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I'm I'm not a huge fan of Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and both of his touchdowns were on passing, uh, passing attempts. So, you know, um, I'm with you. I'm I'm a little scared of the Kansas City Chiefs running back situation. I always have been mm-hmm. uh, after um, you know Kareem Hunt left. Um, <clears throat> but I do think it's telling though who is getting the carries in a blowout. I mean, they, well, they took Edwards Lair off the field. So, I mean, he's the one that no, they value no. as their starter. No, that's fair for sure. And and, and the truth is, I've, I've, I keep saying this and I'll continue saying it. They don't need the run game to, to win games. And, and that's what we saw, um, you know. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Uh, and, and, you know, to pile on to what you just said, actually, like when you're choosing waiver wire pickups, don't sit there. And, and this is another takeaway. 
don't look at just strictly fantasy points. Like don't hit the filter button and then look at fantasy points. I mean, you can do it that way, but then at least click in and see what happened, right? So if like somebody went off, for example, I don't know, Sterling Shepard, right? He had 17.8, no, no, 16.6 fantasy points. Now you're like, wow, Sterling Shepard, he's going to be a big part of that offense. Let me add him. And he didn't look. He was targeted just four times. He caught two passes for 71 yards and a touchdown. He had one deep pass, if you guys watch the games at all. He had one deep pass touchdown. And really, that's not what you should be looking for. You should be looking for volume, which leads me into my next takeaway. Sure. You want you want to look for volume because that is, even if they didn't get a lot of production, right? So pay attention to targets, carries, touch numbers. Volume, even this early, can be an indicator of their future involvement, especially if it led to a win for the team. I think a lot of times in fantasy football, we tend to forget the effects of of what it had on on the team so if like a player went off for example and but you know say a player on the buffalo bills went off that you know like isaiah mckenzie so he he goes off but the bills lost 42 to you know nine or 42 to 18 whatever whatever it is the situation matters for sure this situation matters and that's actually the point that you just made about pacheco and 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 ceh where you know pacheco wasn't really involved until the chiefs kind of had the game in the bag or at least had a decent lead um so those are things you want to look for you want to look for not just fantasy production you got to look at volume because i think that to me is a better indicator um for for how you go about things but before that's a great one for for the um for the volume thing, I'll, I want to point this out because I kind of glanced at, I have a team where I need some tight end help. So I glanced at, you know, top scores from week one and who could right. I add if there's a guy in there that popped off or whatever. And as you're looking down like the top scores for tight ends, here's some guys like in the top like 10, 12. You got like OJ Howard, Taysom Hill, Will Disley, Tyler Conklin, Colby Parkinson. Like, and I haven't even gotten Mark Andrews is below these guys on the list, right? Like, yeah, yeah. The, if, if they're all their points came from touchdowns, if they all came from situational weird things that happened, you can't just, like you said, you can't just look at the box sheet. You can't just, or box score. You can't just look at the year to date points, week one scoring, and know that's who it's going to be. OJ Howard had two touchdowns on two catches yep. <laughs> for 38 yards. You're way better off with, for example, a CD lamb getting 11 targets every week and having yes. that work out for you than banking on OJ Howard's two receptions turning into two touchdowns the rest that's of the way. Correct. So that's exactly. the perfect thing. The law of average is going to play out. You want the ball in your guy's hands or him to have the opportunity and the role in the offense. I think that's a great takeaway from week one. Awesome. So before we even get into any more do's and don'ts, I, I because this is probably more fresh on everyone's mind and in, in the fact that we haven't even mentioned it yet is kind of crazy where did we learn that the Broncos coaching staff doesn't know how to use timeouts or have a sense of clock management? Not since Peyton Manning left. He was apparently okay. doing it for him. Yes. So did we also learn that they have Russell Wilson on the team and they decided to attempt a 64 yard field goal instead of going for it in fourth and five? No, no, no. Here's the thing. I think that this is a Russell Wilson thing and maybe the coaches know more than we do because Seattle ran it on on the goal line in the Super Bowl. <laughs> There's something about Russell Wilson behind the scenes where they're like this guy. I well, don't know. You know what's crazy about that, though, is they did that now twice to Russell Wilson in the same game against his former team. The Broncos first give it to Melvin Gordon on the goal line, and he fumbles, and everyone on Twitter goes nuts like, Javonta Williams wouldn't have done that. Fast forward, what, I don't know, 20 minutes later, it felt like, Javonta Williams on the goal line, fumble. (laughs) So, I mean, you know... (laughs) Russell Wilson is in hell. Just he must hell. just feel like no one thinks he can do it, right? Like, why not at least do a play action, give him the opportunity to throw it, even if he has to throw it away, or he's pretty mobile. He can freaking bootleg and run it in there himself if nothing's open. So yeah. I'm hoping that the Broncos learn from that and that, you know, going forward, at least on – you know, give give Russell Wilson one try 
on the goal line instead of just handing it off. Do you remember when we said the Chiefs weren't going to make the playoffs and the rest of those teams in the division yeah. were better? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. Something I learned one. week one. It is. It is week one. Uh, I, I, I'm for for now. I'm gonna still stand by that, even though it was a crazy blowout. But I'm gonna stand by the Chiefs possibly not making. I the also playoffs. think the Broncos won't make the playoffs. If I can add that to that, that's to okay. That's okay. Yeah. Wouldn't it be crazy if like only one from AFC West uh, made the playoffs when everyone thinks maybe three of them are gonna make it? Oh my goodness! It, it can happen. I would be on tilt. I All right. So. Tilt. Ironically, my my don't uh, for for this, you know, what we learned from week one is don't mm-hmm. overact to week one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're all guilty of it, especially us. Like we just went off on so many things and it is only week one. So let's just dial it back a little bit. Relax. Um, don't spend all of your fab. Right. Don't don't go off and just spend all of your budget on your waiver wire budget on uh players it's a long season right you can't possibly know how much a player that wasn't even drafted in your league will impact the rest of the season after week one so let's pump the brakes a bit set a max budget for each player and by max budget i don't mean spend your max like don't spend your your total budget on a player and let others overspend early in the season there's going to be plenty of time for more valuable waiver wire ads the deeper we get into the season, right? I mean, especially like at the deeper you get into the season, the players that are effective in those weeks are actually going to be more valuable to a team, you know, in week seven, eight, because, you know, situational things like somebody gets hurt and this person stepped in. So that's that's another point. Like, don't spend all of your your fab, um, you know, after this week. Yeah, you definitely want to wait till at least. I mean, the bye weeks get started, and there's players on waivers that you would have never dreamed would get dropped. Right. I mean, there's situations like that that you got to be able to take advantage of. And if you blew your load week one on somebody that doesn't pan out, that's a hard hard pill to swallow. Absolutely. So, and, and then you know, one one other thing is don't drop someone. You spent high draft capital on after week one, right? Bench yeah. them if you want, but don't go dropping them unless obviously they're out for the season or what have you. If they're out for two months and you don't have a bench, um, you know, go ahead and drop Dak Prescott. You know, I mean, if you don't have a bench, you're in a crazy league like that. That's something I'm going to have to do. Uh, but, you know, let, let's uh, less about me, more about everyone else. Uh, <laughs> you know, don't, don't go trading everyone either that didn't perform as expected because what you're doing is is selling your high draft capital picks to a team that is in a buy low situation so it's 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 almost as if you know your house is now worth less than what you bought it for and instead of waiting for the market to pick up you go ahead and sell it to the the lowest bidder or whoever whoever is like you know yeah sure i'll take them off your hands don't do that. It's week right. one. You know, hold on to them. Wait. If if you're honestly, you are after week one, you feel like this player's not someone on your team that you want. Maybe wait two, three weeks. You might have to do that. Wait for them to go off one week. That's the time to sell them, not when they just had a bad week one. So definitely hold on to those players. I know it's tough to do that. Like I said, bench them if you have to, but don't just go getting pennies on the dollar for for players that you drafted put you know high draft capital in that that's great advice i do want to put you on the spot here just a little bit nate because i'm looking you know through the week one scores and some names stand out as being guys that that didn't perform up to expectations you have guys like zeke elliott alvin kamara you draft these guys first second round of your drafts how long are you waiting before you start thinking about can i find that guy that will give me something for the name what's your cutoff? Is it week two, week three? Where, where do you kind of start thinking about making those moves? Well, I always look at, um, I look at seasons in, in sections or, or chunks, right? Okay. So to me, absolute minimal chunk I want to see out of, out of a player is three weeks. Four yeah. is best. Cause that, you know, going back to before they added a game, four was a quarter of the season, right? <clears throat> excuse me 
that's significant. So if if a player at that point isn't doing what you're expecting, then maybe it's the time to hit the panic button a little bit, take a little less than what you know, would have. <clears throat> but the value of the name means a lot at that point. Yeah, and that point you're also taking into you know you got all you got a lot more information. How is your team looking? If your team is three and one, four and zero, oh, maybe you can let them keep riding the bench or, or starting in your flex. And, you know, kind of get that information. If you're one and three, zero oh and four, that's where you start thinking. Okay, where can I shake this up? Where can I get value? Um, maybe where I wouldn't normally have gotten it. Uh, I think that's great. You also have more information about defenses. Maybe they just had a murderer's row of defenses, and it was brutal the first three weeks. But those NFC teams are off their schedule now. Those AFC teams, they won't see them again. No problem. They're gonna they're gonna get rolling. So I, I definitely I appreciate that taking the, the slower approach. Uh, we've all been in redraft. If you played long enough, you've seen those teams that start slow, the fantasy teams, and then they turn around. Bye weeks hit, and you have the depth, and other teams don't, and you take off. Um, so by all means, you don't have to keep them on your roster the whole time. You're not stuck with your first round draft pick, but give them time. You don't want to make that mistake, right? Don't just give yeah, a, yeah. A, a, one of your league mates a huge leg up because you just handed off a, a valuable asset. So yeah. You and get you know, value I, for them, I, means, I, I agree. I mean, I, I apologize. I was, I was a little choked up, you know, talking sure. about this sometimes it's just, uh, no, yeah, no, I had a tickle in my throat. I, I needed a sip of beer. So yeah. <laughs> I appreciate you taking over. That's that my one. job as the host. I got to <laughs> jump in, see my guy struggling a little bit. Hit, hit, the, hit the mute button. I had to cough a little bit and I'm good to go. Um, <clears throat> but I'll, for me, at least, you know, if you have any more to add, you can. I, I'm going to end it with this. Go ahead. Um, why do fantasy leagues still have kickers? <laughs> I mean, what are we, do? what are we oh, doing? Wait, are, we, are we on the tilt section again? Can we go back? Yeah, to yeah I mean, I'll just, this is how I want to end it. It's just like, it, I'll take it one step further. Why do NFL still, you know, why, why does the NFL still have kickers? Like, why are we still kicking field goals and extra points? Um, we don't want to see that. We, we just, to me, it's, it's, especially after a, a kicker, you know, misses two in a row, God forbid. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone's up in arms. Everyone's hitting Twitter up saying, get rid of kickers, ban kickers. You know, I mean, I get that there's a bit of excitement when the game's on the line with no seconds left. And, you know, this is a 56 yard attempt or whatever, but yeah. You know, for me, fine. NFL, it's never going away. But at least for fantasy purposes, and, and this is for leagues I'm in even, like my, my family leagues and stuff. Yeah. And I'm talking to you, Dan. I'm talking to you, Evan. I'm going to call you both out right now. Where kickers, you know, and defense is part of the game. It's You know, we're trying to make it realistic. Guys, it's called fantasy football. Mm -hmm. fantasy that means you can make it whatever you want right and for me kickers and defenses don't play a role in fantasy football you know it's just to me it's just i, I want to get rid of those positions and a lot of industry leagues i'm in they don't have them and uh right. you know the dynasty league we're in we don't have it um so anyways that that's just it's something a little tidbit that i took away already after week one with how how much destruction was was set forth after easy after you know a, a, a you know a point after attempt or like a, a very like a 31 yard field goal attempt was missed yeah. it's just it's just crazy to me i'm just done with it and i, I don't i don't want to even in the leagues and i'll, I'll take it one step further because i know i'm ranting that's okay but in the leagues where people say it's part of the game. You have to have kickers in defense. It makes it more realistic, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so if if they're so important, right, why is it that even in the leagues that we have kickers in defense, we save them for the very last pick, or we don't even draft one, and we pick it up, like, just before the game start in, you know, in, in week one? So yeah. I just don't understand it. And yeah, I guess this is we're ending with a tilt, but it's it's, you know, it's just something that's always bothered me. I, I do love that because we, we started with the tilts and it really the tilts took over the entire like news segment because of the yeah. DAC thing. And we were right. we were getting after it. Hmm. 
But then you kind of went off brand and you were being all reasonable. Like, hey, don't overreact. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but the fantasy tilt came back out at the end because yes. these kickers. I got to do it. I, I do want to end on a on a somewhat positive note. I'm going to touch on what you said first, though. Sure. And it's, you know, we play fantasy football. At least I play fantasy football because I can watch the Jets play the Jaguars and give a shit. Yeah. Like, you know, because yeah. there's these games that don't matter. Right. NFL kickers. It's like the greatest reality TV show ever. Who's going to get voted off this week? Rodrigo <laughs> Blankenship from the Colts is out. He got voted off the island. He's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah like I guess. They the torch. He's gone. It's the greatest thing. And NFL marketing, whoever came up with this idea, you know, a couple seasons ago, they made the, the field goal posts taller. And that was because of accuracy or to know if the ball goes over the uprights, they sold this whole thing. I think it was for the acoustics. Because when that ball hit the uprights oh my in, God. in Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, that sound was the greatest thing I heard all weekend. Whether it was a sound of doom for your team or celebration for your team or fantasy team or whatever it is, that sound is good TV. You know what the sound is? What is it? Doink. Doink. Yeah, <laughs> it used to be doink, but that was ominous. I mean, yeah. the sound that came off that goalpost. And I think it's because they made them taller. It just sounded different. It, more, it, it had like a vibrato. It was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, oh everyone could hear it. That was the doink heard around the world. Mm -hmm. Incredible. So I think kickers make good TV because those last minute 60 yard field Fair goals. Enough. It's like everybody's holding their breath watching. That's good TV. But yeah. it doesn't need to be in your fantasy leagues. No. Get them out of there. There's people yeah. wagering peanuts and stuff on your on your fantasy leagues there's no room for that in there we've convinced the gambling industry in all these states that fantasy football is not gambling it's a game of skill and then we still have kickers and defenses that's not the skill that's element gambling. of our that's game. gambling right there that's gambling yeah um so yeah that was a great point i'm glad that we got to bring it back to tilts <laughs> be unreasonable go. again nate what do people do if they want to get tilted get, get tilted well, all you got to do is tweet at myself, Keaton, or at Fancy Tilt Pod, preferably our podcast uh, Twitter handle, and tell us what has you on tilt. I mean, you heard it tonight. You heard, you know, just everyday things I think we can all relate to that whether it is fantasy football, which is not going to be every week for Keaton and I, it, mm -hmm. we've had tilts on you know, whether it be gas prices or, you know, the menus and, and so many different things, anything in life and fantasy football that has you on tilt, meaning has you frustrated, has you upset, has you betterred and irritated and all the other fun words that aren't so fun for you. Go ahead, send them that, you know, to our Twitter accounts mm -hmm. at fancy tilt pod, use the hashtag fantasy tilt and uh we'll go ahead and we'll read those uh going forward on our on our podcast so it'll be fun to get some listener tilts in so i'll start promoting that on twitter and, and we'll go ahead and uh start reading your tilts going forward join in on the fun like we said safe space for us degenerates get tilted get it out and be prepared for the next week that's what we do here we will see you guys next time stay tilted Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Fantasy Tilt Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Tilt Pod. Help support the show by subscribing and please leave us a review on iTunes.